welcome back to Night Cheese. As always, I'm Steven. And I'm Tim. And we have the uh, privilege of being joined again with our friend Jared, friend Jared tonight. Jared, thanks for coming back um, to be a part of this again. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure uh, I had fun. I had fun with uh, The Dark Knight. And obviously yeah. this is more somber a little bit. But uh, no, this is something I wanted to, to talk about with you guys. Yeah, so real quick, I just want to give all our listeners sort of a programming update. Uh, we thank you guys for joining our sort of supersized episode on Chris Nolan's uh, Dark Knight trilogy last week that Jared was a part of. Uh, we were originally scheduled to, um, for the three of us, to talk about the HBO series The Leftovers uh, tonight, but that's going to get pushed back, but that episode's still coming. And um, next, the the next episode that you will have been hearing on our recording schedule uh, would have been um, Interstellar, which Tim and I had already recorded at the time of learning the news that brings us together tonight, which is uh, the um, tragic and unfortunate passing of actor Chadwick Boseman, who has been in a, I've been in many uh, per, uh, prominent films and important films, particularly in the African-American community, but obviously he's probably most globally known um, for playing the comic book character Black Panther in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So um, that is a really important film to a lot of people, uh, my house included. And so uh, and just the other utter shock of his passing um, just took a toll on a lot of people. Um, and... So just had us thinking like, hey, maybe we can just take some time to talk about him. So we are interrupting our Christopher Nolan series and um, delaying our leftovers discussion uh, to go ahead and do this episode uh, remembering Chadwick Boseman. And so um, that'll be obviously that that you're you're hearing this episode now in the sequence that we're doing and we'll, we'll pick up where we left off uh, next time. So tonight we're just going to pause and... Uh, and uh, talk about Chadwick Boseman and some of his movies. Um, the three of us have taken in a few, a few of it, a few extra of his films that we had not seen before, um, just because he's. I think he's had some some underrated or overlooked performances. It's kind of hard. I mean, I guess everything is a little overlooked when Black Panther is one of your films. Yeah. Um, given then you know, like it made no exaggeration, made a billion dollars, like. And I don't know. I, I do. You guys just want to start with the start with Black Panther. Talk about that, or you know, uh, or what, what do you think? We, we have no real plan tonight. <laughs> talked about talked about some of the movies we watched and, and want to share some words of people who knew him better and stuff. But um, just kind of want to touch base on some of the things that you know he's really well known for, and hopefully uh, give you guys some pointers if if you haven't seen any of his stuff either, because he was a really a, um, a very talented individual. So, sure, yeah, I'm I'm good with whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, well uh, you know, so I mean, we can we can just start with the most obvious, you know, the, his his character T'Challa, the, the prince then king of Wakanda. In Black Panther, he first uh, made a. His debut, I think, in I want to say it was like 2016, which this is crazy because that was that was so you know he mm-hmm. passes away from colon cancer and he was diagnosed the same year he debuted as Black mm-hmm. Panther. So, mm-hmm. barring um, his introduction in Civil War, Captain America: Civil War, which I'm assuming was probably shot the year before, um, 
every other iteration on screen of Black Panther we saw, including his his titular film, he was undergoing treatments and 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 everything, um, which was a you know Black Panther was the first movie I rewatched when we were talking about this because it was the to be honest I've seen it so many times it was just easiest for me to kind of have it on in the background, but in looking up and seeing like thinking about you know CGI notwithstanding how demanding. Mm -hmm. um that role is yeah uh what a just testament to uh his his dedication to that role and what that role really meant to the public and to so many people you know um Mm -hmm. and uh i remember i do remember seeing him show up in civil war and that was really at the that was probably, I'm trying to think of like, it's so hard to go back. It is <laughs> yeah. so, for for many reasons, it's so hard to go yeah. back to early 2016 and try to think about what the world was like. <laughs> um, but Civil War came out, I want to say in May of 2016. It was, it was before. I think you're right. Yeah. It was, it was mm-hmm. early summer at best. Um, and I remember just the, the idea around that, like how, um how unprecedented that film was for crossover and characters and and you know it was like you know basic you know the joke was instead of a captain america movie it was really like avengers two and a half mm-hmm. um and stuff just because of how stacked it was i mean spider-man you know you know does disrespect to tom holland did had come back in to the mc to, to marvel from yeah. after being you know disco dancing and, and emo suits and, and everything. It was a real redemptive moment for that character as well. <laughs> but um, I remember seeing Black Panther show up on the screen and getting really excited because yeah. um, on paper, I mean, there was a time and a place when that, that hero was created, you know, in the comics and stuff. And I'm always hesitant at first to think about how these sort of out there properties will work in the mm-hmm. Marvel universe. Like, mm-hmm. like guardians of the galaxy was probably my first like, yes. pump, pump the brakes moment yeah. when I heard about it. <laughs> and right. I'm like, listen, you're, you're not going to find almost Tim. You're probably not going to find any harder Dave Batista apologists than me and Jared anyways. <laughs> and even then I was like, well, <laughs> yeah i remember i remember like i didn't know anything about guardians really mm-hmm. um and i remember uh you know thinking about what we had seen so far within the marvel universe which was fairly grounded of like how you know it's not exactly batman begins like we were talking about a couple yeah. weeks ago but you know a fairly grounded way in which iron man came about a fairly grounded way in which captain america came about and then I'm like, you know, and then it's kind of like the little, you know, quote unquote checks notes, you know, bit <laughs> that you get on the internet where it's like, okay, so we're going to be adding in a checks notes talking raccoon. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. I'm uh, talking okay. tree. Yeah, yeah. And talking tree. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I know what you mean. It only says three <laughs> words. Yeah. Yeah. Only yeah. So, right. yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah. So, um, I, I find it, you know, it's accidental that we would bring up Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's a really interesting testament because, I mean, one of these days, 
I keep threatening Tim that we're going to do a series on the MCU, and he's very excited about it's it. No but threat to I, me. Uh, Let's do it. I'm, 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 I'm su- well, I'm super hesitant because I just don't know that anybody is ready for that kind of commitment from me. <laughs> um, but it's funny we should bring up those two individual films because those are my alternating one and mm. two favorite films probably mm-hmm. out of the entire MCU. It's always hard to not toss Endgame in there because it's this giant culmination and stuff. But um, if you're taking Endgame out and looking at it as a solitary property, then maybe it lacks a little bit because it relies so much on everything that came before it. So as far as, you know, sort of these insular titles and stuff, you know, Guardians, but also Black Panther, like mm-hmm. it works so well as a standalone story and doesn't really require any commitment beyond yeah. what they're showing you, yeah. um, which which helps. And yeah. um, I seeing seeing T'Challa show up in in Civil War was really exciting um, because I had not. That was the first time I'd ever seen Chadwick Boseman or anything. I know he had some of the films we'll discuss predate that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I had not seen them uh, at that point. And um, his first time on screen at least in in the costume um is where he has a fight with sebastian stan uh bucky you know the winter Mm -hmm. soldier on this rooftop and that was so intense and i think that was one of the most um elevated things about civil war leading up to it was the fight choreography of the captain america series at that point like once once winter soldier started Mm -hmm. they just complete well i guess you could credit that to the russos i I suppose Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah um but um how how they just drew you in to the fight sequences and um he was immediately you know perceived as threat you know Mm -hmm. in a fight but at the same time he had this really dignified sort of regal, obviously as, as royalty um, approach, but at the same time and, and, and him having like female bodyguards, but at the same time, you completely believed every word that came out of their mouths, you know, like, I'm sorry if that sounds like indirectly sexist or something, but you know, like it, but but they're like very just direct um, approach. Like I remember like one of them had an exchange with uh, Black Widow at one point, you know, just like in civilian clothes, not like mm-hmm. in a fight. She's just like, OK, like, <laughs> even <laughs> even she's kind of like, all right, well, um, yeah. great. Yeah, never mind. I'm, you, yeah. can, you can go on ahead. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it just seemed really encouraging. Um that the universe, uh, the cinematic universe, and 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 the filmmakers, everybody that kind of involved in that property going forward, seemed to treat him like he mattered. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No, no pun intended. That, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. really, though, like I mean, you have so many heroes, and it's and at that point, you had all the Avengers established. Mm-hmm. So it would have been really difficult to elevate a new hero in a convincing fashion yeah. to mm-hmm. to put them shoulder to shoulder yeah. with an Iron Man or Thor yeah. or a Captain America or something. Mm-hmm. And T'Challa was immediately accepted at that. You know, you, mm-hmm. you look at the at the end of the film and he's like the only one who actually makes it again, no pun intended, to the end game. Like yeah. geographically speaking, mm-hmm. he's the only other he's the one who actually captures the villain. Yeah. Um yeah in that film and he gives this great quote um i posted it 
the night or day after I found out about his passing, where he um, has the opportunity to exact revenge on the villain for for being responsible for killing his father. Mm -hmm. And he just says, vengeance has consumed you, um, but it, and it's consumed me, but not anymore. And he just, and he decides to, uh, to withdraw, you know, Mm -hmm. on killing him and and saves and saves his life instead to turn him in. And um, probably the most level headed character Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in that film that was all about division and strife and, uh, and everything. Yeah, that was in Civil War. So, like, I, I've always been impressed with the way Marvel tends to handle large, like, plots with many characters. I've mm-hmm. been pleasantly surprised um, yeah. with how they how they kind of still can pull off keeping all these keeping up with all these characters. But I was especially impressed with Black Panther, his introduction and his almost sort of like mini story, you know, storyline, mini character arc. Uh, yeah, there was just there was a lot on. I, I, I felt like it was almost like a side black, kind of almost like a side black Panther movie where he grows. He, you know, his, you know, after his father's death, he wants revenge, and then he sees it happening to other people, and and just chooses it, you know, decides against it. And I just feel like it was just a a wonderful way of like kind of introducing the character, um, but also you almost get a little bit of a story there as well, and a little bit of a character arc. It was really, I thought it was really fantastically done. Yeah, if Civil War was a open world video game like he would be a whole side plot yeah like yeah a whole series of side <laughs> missions you know yeah marvel uh, marvel's really good I, I you know i was thinking about this the other day it's like marvel movies with with juggling all these characters are almost like their movie posters to where if you look at the movie posters there's tons of characters on there so like <laughs> this one this one gets the largest uh, a photo on there but they're like placed off to the left and then this one yeah. is small but they're like right where your eye focuses and this one's in between and so it's kind mm-hmm. of in a slightly better spot and, and it's yeah. kind of like that with how they balance the characters too where mm-hmm. they manage to give you um you know they manage to like like you said like elevate a character that's just come in and mm-hmm. who's obviously going to be important later yeah. Uh, for his own Black Panther movie, so you, but so you can't have him dominate this movie, but then mm-hmm. you can't have him be too much of a bit player, you know. Yeah. And so, um, oh, yeah. and you know, but but also then how they're able to like throw in. I, I was rewatching a couple of clips from from Black Panther, and like you said, they they do they treat him with all this respect, but then they also you know kind of have that trademark Marvel humor where I was watching the scene where. Falcon, Cap, and um, T'Challa are, you know, have been captured or, you know, surrendered after that chase scene. And so they're just riding back and Sam's like, so you're into cats? You know, (laughs) it just, you know, it's like a a, a cut down that you're you're like, yeah, that is kind it is kind of ridiculous on on the surface. But at the same time, you know, you you move on from that. You kind of like it's sort of hanging a lantern on it and having a laugh. But then you move back then to the, you know, you know, a very respected character. So I've always been very impressed with how Marvel is able to do that. Yeah, you know, their yeah, their humor and their moments of levity never take away from the asset that they've given a character you know they really just serve to flesh them out more and um you know that's one thing i've really appreciated about t'challa as a character and and uh it's not that i can speak as any authority on this issue you know being the white man that i am but i will say 
just from being involved and being surrounded by people, my, my friends and, and, and colleagues and stuff who were impacted by, you know, the world that was impacted by his solo film. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of credit, I mean, there's plenty of credit to go around on this, but when you compare this to say like, like a Captain Marvel, for mm-hmm. instance, both of these, both of those characters' films were opportunities. Um, now, granted, we had already experienced a little bit of T'Challa and 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 a small portion of his universe leading up to the. Well, actually, all you all we had was Civil War because this mm-hmm. came out before Infinity War, so that was all we had. We had not seen Wakanda. We had not met any other characters. I'm not even sure if Denai Guerrero was in Civil War. I think that might have been another guard. I'm we did sure get a that. glimpse of Wakanda at the end and the, yeah, the, the, end, the end credit scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So very, very brief shot um, there and their, you know, agreement to sort of try to rehabilitate, uh, mm-hmm. but which, uh, which again, like, oh gosh, so good. Like I'm, I miss him as a character already so mm-hmm. much because like, I feel like the depths of his character, mm-hmm. um, was was unity um Mm -hmm. he was always striving for unity and i think he kind of shared that with captain america to an extent but i think he was probably you know if there's one i don't even know if i'd call it a flaw with cap but like he was more vulnerable to his personal affections yeah um so there is the threat of him to be blinded by that they never really, they never really did that to him in the movies, but, but his loyalty to Bucky did did create a big mess, um, which he wasn't wrong, but still, you know, anyway, but um, but T'Challa, really, um, I, going back and watching the solo film, um, I'm sorry, there's so many thoughts in my head and I can't <laughs> grab hold it. No, I get it. One of them, yeah. But um, yeah. so I'll, I'll just try to get to this one and then maybe I can go back to one of the other ones. But um, this the first time he goes into the ancestral plane and he sees his father for the first time after having seen him die. And um, that's such a powerful scene, um, especially now to go back and see mm-hmm. um, see him see all the dead kings of the past. And just this moment that I never really saw the power in until I saw other people loving it. But it's just when he kneels down before his dad and he just kind of sternly says, stand up, you mm-hmm. are a king. Like, you know, you need to fully embrace who you are now. And that means you carry yourself differently. Um, and I just absolutely loved, from the moment I heard it in the trailer, um, through the through the film itself his line to to chalice saying that uh you know you're a good man with a good heart but it's hard for a good man to be a king and and that's what that film is about is how do you still be a good man and still lead and and he asks you know how do i do that and he says you know you, you surround yourself with people you trust you know who who are not afraid to challenge you you know but obviously the trust factor is is there and and the one thing that film does so well, um, you know, I've heard some people criticize it to say, well, you know, for a film that's called Black Panther, you know, Black Panthers isn't the most standout character in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but almost I wonder if that's by design because, you know, that film took three or four never before seen characters 
and brought them right up to the sho- uh, shoulder to shoulder with him. Mm-hmm. If you think about Okoye or Shuri or Mbaku, um, Killmonger, if he had you know survived it, um, but but all of them like each are served moments themselves and um and i love um like how jared was saying about the humor like the mm-hmm. moments they give him and his, i didn't even mention lupita nyong'o's character too mm-hmm. like yeah. she's such a strong independent character um and each one of them kind of has their role to play like you know she's a spy so she can do sort of subversive you know uh, yeah. espionage type things um, but Okoye is super strong but she's also very loyal so she won't she will not demonstrate open uh, what's the word mutiny um, mm-hmm. on the country for the sake of Wakanda you know and mm-hmm. so it's just um, it's just so powerfully balanced um, amongst all the characters and that is a, a demonstration of what you know true stability and unity and power can look like and um they they do that so they executed that so well in that film and he is he is a great leader when he needs to be um he looks a little bit like an idiot at moments that make other good guy characters look stronger you know like when he when he gets the sort of, you know, adolescent boy awkwardness around Lapita Nyong'o's character and and Okoye can just stand and laugh at him, saying, like, you froze just like a deer in headlights. He's like, I did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even it is, his... It was almost kind of like with some of those characters where he's like the little the little brother. Almost, yes, exactly. You know? Even mm, to his yeah. little sister. Yeah. Like, because she's more technologically intelligent than him. Mm-hmm. So she's even like, what are you wearing those nasty sandals for? And all this other stuff, just like, you know, picking on his fashion sense mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it it's very familial, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I see my own children kind of interact with each other sometimes and all of them have strengths and all of them have areas for improvement as people. But like, you know, but there's still enough trust and love in those relationships to where they can also, you know, take an occasional well-intentioned good-hearted shot at each other too and uh and we all just move on so you know you take that idea and you compare it to like a captain marvel where like i just just mentioning lapita that that trinity of women in black panther lapita nyango denai guerrera and uh, letitia wright uh, shuri and how all three of them came out as women that i would not want to mess with in a marvel situation you know mm-hmm. uh, and i was so glad that they continued to grow upon that, particularly with Denai Guerrero, because she survived the snap out of the three of them, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and then it felt like Cap- Captain Marvel, by comparison, while there were things about that film I enjoyed, I didn't enjoy it on the level of Black Panther. Uh, and one of those reasons was I felt like it wasn't really organically happening but it was kind of being pushed. Does that, mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this, this strength, this, you know, liberation, this, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. this, this, this empowerment, which, you know, which I was on board with, you know, yeah. but the way it came across, it just seemed like, I don't know if I don't want to say it didn't seem earned. I don't know if that's really the right criticism, but like, I just was not finding myself emotionally invested in it the way mm-hmm. I was, with with almost every character yeah. even Kill, even killmonger in mm-hmm. black panther you know? yeah just such a yeah. wonderfully balanced and written performance and and chadwick Boseman was at the center of that you know 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I will say um, that in dealing and going to see Black Panther was in a weird time uh, in my family's life. So, um, I mean, we, we refer to this every once in a while, particularly when it comes to movies like this um, on previous episodes. But if I can tell everybody a little bit of my family's story. Um, we have four children who have been adopted from the country of Uganda in, in uh, Africa, which is, uh, um, you know, Wakanda is not real, despite what some of their middle school students may ask my children from time to time. But, um, you know, public education system. Um, just kidding. No, I mean, I think it's just a lighthearted joke sometimes. But uh, but, uh, but but also I'm like, you know, there's there's do like, you, I think, do you, do you know, it's not real because I mean, you know, the, can show you on a map i think there's probably from what i remember like a not so insignificant portion of the adult u.s population that can't find america on a map so wow so you know i i that's true i think that some of those wakanda questions are probably legit yeah well now that you mentioned that i am remembering that one beauty pageant contestant who had a really hard time talking about maps and track. Mm-hmm. so yeah no okay yeah so it could be real i, I stand corrected um <laughs> so all that to say that um we um our family was split up in, in two places for about a year which so happens that the debut the premiere of this film happened during that time so um i had i had a son and a daughter here uh, stateside with me and my wife had a son and a daughter in uganda and so we um we would sometimes get to see, fortunately, there was a theater kind of nearby where they were staying. So they would still get to see films uh, for, for much cheaper than I did, which was, I was a little envious of. But um, <laughs> that was probably the only thing, though. Um, <clears throat> anyway, before I keep digging holes here, they um, we went to, uh, it was fun because sometimes we would get to go see the same films. So like, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it were really awesome, like Black Panther, and sometimes it was The Last Jedi or something. So it was, um, we, it was fun because I got to hear um, my wife's take on seeing Black Panther premiere in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, which was a huge event. Like people went to it like they were dressed for church and stuff. And, and it was just such a huge event. And we, I mean, I saw it here in Raleigh um, with my son and daughter. It was my son's birthday. And um, he, you know, that's what he wanted to see. And I was going to pretend like it wasn't going to be my idea anyways, if he couldn't come up with something. Um, so we went to see it as well. And it was, um, you know, packed theater where, you know, I was, I was easily the minority, which was fine. But just, you know, just, just to say it was, a, it's rarely, um, do I see really a packed theater anymore? Unless it's for mm-hmm. a ma- it's for, unless it's for a major major film event um, anymore, and, and and even then, your your top tier movies, which Black Panther you would you would put into that category, have so many showings. Right. Usually, usually you're not crowded in, but that was a different experience. Like um, the support that, that obviously it made a billion dollars. So of course, but um, this would make sense, but um, the way that film was packed and how engaged it was one of my favorite um, film going experiences I've ever had um, to be there and to be a part of that crowd. And, and it was so amazing to me because 
I realize how silly this is going to sound to me to say out loud, but I thought this was going to be a big deal for me as a Marvel fan. Like I cannot wait to see this. And now it's just, <laughs> I, I had no idea and I'm still learning now mm-hmm. what that meant to so many generations of people mm-hmm. waiting to see heroes of that caliber that looked like them on yeah. screen and be so well represented too. Like, yeah. because let's face it, Wesley Snipes as Blade, all due respect, is not the pinnacle of black representation and heroes that you probably want right. for your for your kids or or maybe even for yourself, you know. Um, and so to see um, such a thorough, uh, diverse display of heroes. Um, and all of them being represented not only uh, positively, but um, accurately, I think, to culture. You know, mm. um, I've seen articles and, and watched YouTube videos and stuff on like things like, you know, hair, clothing, um, just the positive imagery of, you know, it really touched me. You know, the whole there's so many subplots there, but particularly Bozeman's arc with going back to the ancestral plane and and chastising all of the old kings saying you know you were all wrong to mm-hmm. hide yourself in the hurting world instead of trying to help them and 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 coming to terms with that uh within himself but then also to have the the boldness to stand up to the people that he admired and idolized his whole life mm-hmm. too um and again, all of that being ju- just as just as simple too as at the very end when they sort of you know reveal themselves to America, they go to South Central Los Angeles and they're they're going to renovate a building and turn it into like an education center or a community center and stuff like that. You know, just being yeah. positive examples and doing all of that is just um, just really cool. Yeah, I and that was what really you know. His his death, I mean, is obviously going to be so sad on its own for regardless of whether or not he's an actor for someone yeah. 43 years old um, to be cut down um, by by cancer. Um, and then, of course, then it's magnified when it's, uh, you know, a celebrity that that we all know. But, um, you know, so much of it. For me, I guess what I thought of was just was in was in terms of um, the people that I know that film and that character, you know, how much it means to them, mm-hmm. um, not just your family. But um, uh, there's uh, a fantasy football podcast I do with a mutual buddy of ours and um, a student of his that he uh, used to teach who's late teens um, you know, African-American young man in, in Chicago and, you know, how much it, it meant to him. And, and he was talking about, you know, he was just terribly upset, um, when it happened and, um, how, you know, his, the people in his friend circle called him Black Panther and, and all this different stuff. And, um, and then, you know, kind of connected to that just in terms of representation, you know I mean? Like, um, you know, part of my background or education is in psychology and, um, you know, there's just a huge, um, factor in, in people being able to see, especially kids, um, see someone who looks like them, you know, for, you know, lack of a 
needlessly more complicated explanation. There's there's just yeah. a, a real power to people being able to see someone like them um, succeed. And so you find yeah. that in, you know, like a child's primary role model is always going to be their same-sex parent. Um, and then, like I said, you can just kind of extrapolate that out to even superheroes. And like you said, like um, Wesley Snipes' Blade was was fine it's not the same thing you know it's um it's not made for little kids i hope people weren't really taking their little kids (laughs) to to play um you know it's just not the same thing you know we've had others like war machine and uh falcon and and they're great i'm excited about the falcon and winter soldier series uh, you know, I think I, I joked to you, like when I, when we saw Civil War, uh, that like I could really get behind a Falcon and Bucky that, movie. That is something yeah. we're like, we need that buddy cop movie yeah. now. Like, right. I think yes. that was one of the first things we said after it was. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But even then, those are side that up until now, post Endgame, yeah. yeah. Falcon, they were right. sidekicks. Mm-hmm. They were sidekicks. And, yeah. Right. And and if you go back, you know farther i mean just for decades and decades it's you know most you know in most cases um the black character in american television is a sidekick you know and um, if not a criminal if not a criminal right yeah and so um you know for for people to finally get that and see you know how much that meant to them um is is really a huge part of of what makes this loss um, magnified so much more. Yeah. And I think that's something we'll probably touch on as we drift into some other films of Chadwick Boseman's as well as the, the very careful calculation. You know, I joked with uh, a friend of ours um, who we, uh, we got to, to meet uh, at like an outside patio restaurant the other night. Um, Talking about this, um, I playfully said, you know, he was not like a, Samuel L. Jackson or a Nicolas Cage in that his approach to acting wasn't, is this a script? Then I will say yes. Um, kind of actor, which there's not anything wrong with that. I mean, like, I feel like if, if I was privileged enough to be a Hollywood actor, I would probably be that way too, just to keep supporting my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, he was very, just by looking at his filmography, it seemed like he was pretty measured and calculated, once he got to a certain point in his career over what kind mm-hmm. of roles he chose mm-hmm. and what kind of example uh, he was setting with the choice, with the roles that he was choosing um, to, to better elevate the African-American community and to um, cr- try to create more positive role models or bring attention to more um, under, uh, weird saying, under underrated characters in, in history, but, um, or, individuals in history but um since we were kind of on the black panther topic i was going to save this till later but i feel like it might be easier to do it now um there were some some of his castmates from black panther um wrote some sort of um not some sort but wrote um a few you know letters of remembrance eulogies whatever you want to call them and um, i just kind of like to read them real quick was so one thing that i found that i learned uh, interestingly enough, I think from one of you guys, uh, is that uh, Chadwick Boseman was from Anderson, South Carolina, which is like literally right across the state line from Tacoa, Georgia, where all three of us went to college mm-hmm. at one point. And and um, 
So I never would have guessed he was from South Carolina ever in his life from any of the roles that he took. Um, so good for him, I guess. Uh, I don't know really what to say, but I just found that very, very entertaining. So um, the director of Black Panther, um, Ryan Coogler, um, had the following to say. He said, um, before sharing my thoughts on the passing of the great Chadwick Boseman, I first offer my condolences to his family. He meant very, so very much to him, to his wife, Simone, especially. Um, I inherited Marvel and the Russo brothers casting choice of T'Challa. It is something that I will forever be grateful for. The first time I saw Chad's performance as T'Challa, it was in an unfinished cut of Captain America Civil War. I was deciding whether or not directing Black Panther was the right choice for me. I'll never forget sitting in an editorial suite on the Disney lot and watching his scenes. His first with Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, then with the South African cinema titan John Connie as T'Challa's father, King T'Chaka. It was at that moment I knew I wanted to make this movie. After Scarlett's character leaves them, Chad and John begin conversing in a language I'd never heard before. It sounded familiar, full of the same clicks and smacks that young black children would make in the States. The same clicks that would that we would often be chided for being disrespectful or improper, but it had a musicality to it that felt ancient, powerful, and African. In my meeting after watching the film, I asked Nate Moore, one of the producers of the film, about the language. Did you guys make it up? And Nate replied, that's Kosa, John Connie's native language, which is uh, one of the primary languages in South Africa. Um, he and Chad decided to do the scene like that on set, and we rolled with it. I thought to myself, he just learned a line, lines in another language that day? I couldn't conceive how difficult that must have been. And even though I hadn't met Chad, I was already in awe of his capacity as an actor. I learned later that there was much conversation over how T'Challa would sound in the film. The decision to have Kosa be the official language of Wakanda was solidified by Chad, a native of South Carolina, because he was able to learn his lines in Kosa there on the spot. He also abdicated for his character to speak with an African accent so that he could present T'Challa to audiences as an African king whose dialect had not been conquered by the West. I finally met Chad in person in early 2016 once I signed on to the film. He snuck past journalists that were congregated for a press junket I was doing for Creed and met with me in the green room. Which, by the way, can I just say, I imagine that scenario kind of like that scene in Ocean's Eleven when um, Brad Pitt is teaching Topher Grace and all those other kids how to play cards. And they leave the club and all the paparazzi go after Topher Grace. And you just see the scene of this madhouse of people outside of a club and Brad Pitt and George Clooney just walk by completely unnoticed. <laughs> um, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but that scene always makes me, makes me laugh um, at the absurdity of it. And just, <laughs> just sitting there wondering all these journalists just see Chadwick Boseman walk by and not even really understanding who he is yet, you know, that moment. Um, we talked about our lives, my time playing football in college and his time at Howard studying to be a director, about our collective vision for T'Challa and Wakanda. We spoke about the irony of how his former Howard classmate, ta Coates, was writing T'Challa's current arc with Marvel Comics, and how Chad knew Howard student Prince Jones, whose murder by a police officer inspired Coates' memoir, Between the World and Me. I noticed then that Chad was an anomaly. He was calm, assured, constantly studying, but also kind, comforting, had the warmest laugh in the world, and eyes that had seen much beyond his years, but could still sparkle like a child seeing something for the first time. That was the first of many conversations. He was a special person. We would often speak about heritage and what it means to be African. 
When preparing for the film, he would ponder every decision, every choice, not just for how it would reflect on himself, but how those choices could reverberate. They not ready for this, what we're doing. This is Star Wars. This is Lord of the Rings, but for us and bigger. Mm. He would say this to me while we were struggling to finish a dramatic scene, stretching into double overtime, or while he was covered in body paint, doing his own stunts. Holy crap. Okay, that's me reading that for the first time, that he did his own stunts. Or crashing into frigid water and foam landing pans. I would nod nod and smile, but I didn't believe him. I had no idea if the film would work. I wasn't sure I knew what I was doing. But I looked back, and I realized that Chad knew something we all didn't. He was playing the long game, all while putting in the work, and work he did. He would come to auditions for supporting roles, which is not common for lead actors in big-budget movies. He was there for several M'Baku auditions. In Winston Dukes, he turned a chemistry read into a wrestling match. Winston broke his bracelet. In Letitia Wright's audition for Shuri, she pierced his royal poise with her signature humor and would bring a smile to to Chala's face that was 100% Chad. While filming the movie, we would meet at the office or at my rental home in Atlanta to discuss lines and different ways to add depth to each scene. We talked costumes, military practices. He said to me, Wakandans have to dance during the coronations. If they just stand there with spears, what separates them from Romans? In early drafts of the script, Eric Killmonger's character would ask T'Challa to be buried in Wakanda. Chad challenged that and said, what if Killmonger asked to be buried somewhere else? Which, of course, is arguably the most iconic line of the entire film. Um, Chad deeply valued his privacy, and I wasn't privy to the details of his illness. After his family released their statement, I realized he was living with his illness the entire time I knew him. Because he was a caretaker, a leader, a man of faith, dignity, and pride, he shielded his collaborators from his suffering. He lived a beautiful life, and he made great art, day after day, year after year. That's who he was. He was an epic firework display. I will tell stories about being there for some of the brilliant sparks till the end of my days. What an incredible mark he's left for us. I haven't grieved a loss this acute before. I spent the last year preparing, imagining, and writing words for him to say that we weren't destined to see. It leaves me broken knowing that I won't be able to watch another close-up of him in the monitor again or walk up to him and ask for another take. It hurts more to know that we can't have another conversation or FaceTime or text message exchange. He would send vegetarian recipes and eating regimens for my family and me to follow during the pandemic. He would check in on me and my loved ones even as he dealt with the scourge of cancer. In African cultures, we often refer to loved ones that have passed on as ancestors. Sometimes you're genetically related, sometimes you're not. I had the privilege of directing scenes of Chad's character, T'Challa, communicating with the ancestors of Wakanda. We were in Atlanta, in an abandoned warehouse with blue screens and massive movie lights, but Chad's performance made it feel real. I think it was because from the time that I met him, the ancestors spoke through him. It's no secret to me now how he was able to skillfully portray some of our most notable ones. I had no doubt that he would live on and continue to bless us with more, but it is with a heavy heart and a sense of deep gratitude to have ever been in his presence that I have to reckon with the fact that Chad is an ancestor now, and I know that he will watch over us until we meet again. So, um, yeah, Ryan Coogler, uh, director of Black Panther, and I think... um, and there's so much truth in all that um, and interesting uh, interesting anecdotes there too. And um, yeah. I love his it I don't know it's so weird when I read that the first time, I read it probably the morning after, I guess it was it still felt pretty raw. 
uh, for me when I was reading that for the first time. And to know that he had the presence of mind to think this is like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, but for us is, I was like, that's, that is exactly what this is like. uh, And, and for the longest time, it felt really hard to put into words when I saw what was happening uh, with this film and, and seeing sort of just the, the cultural obsession with it and, and um, this collective love and awe for it and everything. And it's, and it was funny to me to try to explain that to somebody who maybe wasn't into Marvel or didn't understand it or something. Because when I, when you talk about the film and stuff, it's plots you've seen before. I mean, you've seen it like in the lion King and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen all these other hero films and everything, but this, like, there's just something different going on here. And, and that, that's it. Like it was star Wars. It was Lord of the Rings. It was, you know, this, this, tr- this transcendent franchise. Granted, it was technically only one film for now, mm-hmm. but that that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. The way I, the way I saw it put one place was, or I can't remember who said this. Um, I think it might've been someone in that was interviewing Chadwick, uh, but um, they were talking about how, you know, it wasn't just representation. I, I talked about that some, and that's been talked mm-hmm. about a lot, but it wasn't just representation. This was like a vision or yeah. a dream of, you know, what, what could be. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a movie that I would even kind of compare it to in a way uh, would be like avatar sort of where, like Avatar, I remember stories about people like, and I don't, and not that this happened with Black Panther, but like people like watching Avatar going back to the theater like over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like almost dealing, some people like dealing with depression and stuff like that because they wanted <laughs> to go to Pan, whatever that, I don't remember the name. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember what you're talking Pan about. M, Pan M, maybe? No, that, I don't know. I, anyway. wonder, I almost said Pandora, but I don't think that's oh, right could. either. I think it is. It could be. I think it's Pandora. Uh, it could be. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get Greek, we'll get, Greek for overrated. We'll yeah. get those eight, 18 sequels here yeah. in another four yeah. years or so. We can They'll talk be fine. About them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but it was just sort of this, um, again, yeah, the sort of this vision of what a place that could be uh, that people would, you know, imagine being able mm-hmm. um, to go to that, that turned – um, you know, that turned sort of, I guess, a lot of racist stereotypes sort of on its mm-hmm. ear, you know, yeah. it, it, yeah. because it's yeah. just sort of the the racist stereotype of non-white people mm-hmm. just being uncivilized yeah. and um, technologically less advanced and, and yeah. all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought it was really cool, um, you know, just how they... Uh, pulled that from which I mean I assume it's it's probably uh, the same way in the comics it's not a a new you, you know creation that the filmmakers came up with but but brought what was in the comics yeah um, to life you know in, in a way that seemed very real yeah it's That's like almost fun go ahead Tim. I was gonna say it's 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 interesting it's almost like a, yeah like you said a vision of a place untouched by like colonization and oppression and it's 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 a beautiful vision, but also kind of heartbreaking too. But of what mm-hmm. if, what if you know, right. a, a nation hadn't been decimated? You know, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a beautiful idea, and it's heartbreaking too. But 
um, it's powerful. And I didn't know how involved uh, Bozeman was in, in that process. That was really neat to know. Yeah. Well, and two, you know, that makes me think about the opening scene of the film is this sort of animated history mm-hmm. of Wakanda oh, and yeah. vibranium. Mm-hmm. And, and that is spoken words between Sterling K. Brown, mm-hmm. who is the, bro- the brother of the king, mm-hmm. and the little boy who would grow up to be Killmonger. Mm. and the um this this hurt i say hurts me but it but it impacts me more every time i hear it the more that i the more that i learn um about history and kind of you know try to feed myself more with um uh mega black centric culture and in arts and film and television and stuff like that and history and things like that is that the beginning he says, tell me the story of home. Mm. Um, and you know, we have generations of people in this country who, you know, they can't log on to ancestry.com and figure out where everything came from because they were stolen from their homes. And, and like Tim said, just like, it's this, this utopian, place of like what if there were a place that were unaffected and allowed to thrive mm-hmm, like what yeah. would it what would it be um and had and had the advantage of something like you know i mean like you said the yeah. the the thing that's really the catalyst is like the the meteorite of, of yeah. vibranium and you know i think sort of if you look through history a lot of things do just sometimes come down to like dumb luck of like right. who who was in the right place at the right time you know yeah or like columbus the wrong place at the right or time or the wrong place at the wrong yeah, time you know? right <laughs> yeah yeah um and yeah i think about that and um man just the idea of home and i uh, and i love that that he had the foresight too to to question that final killmonger line too because i've seen that reverberate so much um with with others as well um i said this on my personal social media so i'm just going to try to navigate this real quickly and ask you guys if you're interested in discussing it and we don't have to if anybody thinks it's in poor taste or you don't want to but um i I wouldn't say I am able, although although I am, but sometimes my mourning and my fandom just kind of walk hand in hand because uh, one of the reasons I am such a fan is because of the work that he provided. Um, and it had me looking really forward to what was coming next. And so I'm not so much upset with Marvel or anything like that, but just like obviously there are implications now that he's not going to be around. And if we can just take off our emotional hats for a second and just look at revenues and the economy of things, there's absolutely no way they're not going to do another story in Wakanda. Um, yeah. Right. And I, and I don't think they should avoid it either because like we talked about earlier, they, they did establish such a deep and wide and strong cast Mm-hmm. that they could tell a story there mm-hmm. without him. It would just be hard and um, there will be a lot of baggage with it. So mm-hmm. are, are you guys, um, do you guys have any thoughts like, you know, how, you know, wh- what do you think might happen or, or what, what would you like to see happen? Like in terms of maybe 
recognizing Bozeman, you know, like the Star Wars, you know, Bozeman himself said, this is Star Wars, but for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Star Wars just got done having to deal with the loss of Carrie Fisher, you know, mm-hmm. and and, that. and, um, and of course, they're not going to have, I don't think they're going to have more of an advantage because Bozeman hasn't, they haven't even started production on, on the sequel yet. Although right. I think it's, it was set to come out in May, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do you guys have any thoughts on like how you would like to see the the franchise like address it? Do mm. going forward anything you'd like to see? Think you'll see? Um, I I think for me, I mean, of course, we've talked about it a little bit. I, you know, one thing I was saying was, I feel like it's part of what's going to make it really tough for them is, you know, we've only really had one even though he appeared in civil war and he was of course in the, in the last two Avengers movies, we've only had like one true black Panther movie, but between the one black Panther movie and his, you know, ensemble appearances in the other movies, we've already had that character. We've already mourned that character twice, you know Mm -hmm. I mean? In a way, like, because he, you know, it looked like he died in, um, and sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. Um, (laughs) Uh, you know, he, um, passed away in, in, or that's the way it looked in, in the Black Panther movie. Of course, you know, I think most people realize that wasn't going to happen, but, uh, and then, um, in, uh, you know, then in the snap in yeah. Endgame oh, yeah. or, uh, uh, in Infinity War. So, um, you know, so I think, I think that's part of what makes it tough is then, going to that a third time to try to address the real passing, um, you know, of of Chadwick Boseman. But I think, you know, I think they'll find the right way to do it. I think Mm -hmm. they will address it kind of like, because I think with like, take um, Paul Walker's death, you know, for example, I know you mentioned Carrie Fisher too, but um, you know, Paul Walker, it made a lot more sense to be able to write that character out Um, but like, I think like getting to see, even though we knew that Paul Walker in real life had died, like getting to see that character have a good send off was was somehow sort of a little bit, I don't know if healing's the right word, but it, it, it seemed to sort of, you know, help with all that. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure exactly how they're, they're going to handle, um, that part of it, but yeah, like you said, it's going to continue, um, you know, in the comics, you know, his, his little sister, Shuri takes over as, mm-hmm. as black Panther at, at one point in, in a storyline. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all kinds of uh, ways they could, I, I would assume that that's how it would be done. Uh, that ticks a lot of boxes, of course, for, for Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that's, that's what I would expect. I, w- I would sort of like to see, you know, they're going to, the way they're going to open up, the multiverse, I guess with, with Dr. Strange, I would kind of like to see like a redeemed, like alternate reality killmonger, you know, and Michael B. Jordan come in, um, just because that's such a good character and he's such a good actor, but, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. That's a good thought about Michael B. Jordan, man, that would be really cool. I was, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you in the sense. I don't, I don't know what the, right thing to do or what they should do but 
Um, the idea of it being his sister, I think, is being sure is an, an interesting idea. I'm just curious how they're that how it gets to that, like how how that's going to happen. I'm I'm really wondering how they're going to portray his absence. Um, yeah, I'm really curious. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I, I you know from from a storytelling standpoint, I sure. I mean, I I, I like the notion of both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think the cleaner, more sensible option would probably be to go with Shuri and honestly buy the year 2022. Well, who knows what America will be like in 2022, yeah. but let's just say if it does, um, there's, there's a good chance that, um, having, you know, a standout black female superhero of a prominent franchise would be a good look, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and Letitia Wright is, is great in that role. That should be amazing. You know? Yeah. And there's precedent for it as well. Yeah. The only thing I go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, well, I was kind of hoping, so, you know, in I mean, I don't know much about the Iron Man comics, but I know in the comic books, post Iron Man, uh, this 15 year old kind of, I mean, granted, she's American, African American, um, but this 15 year old black girl becomes kind of the next, she's like a genius, she becomes the next Iron Man. And I was kind of wondering, that would be really an interesting thing for Shuri, since she's so intelligent and obviously they have mm-hmm. a lot of financial background to kind of take up the Iron Man mantle, but then maybe that kind of takes away from her because she's kind of becoming a a character that already is established. I don't know, but I was kind of intrigued by that. Yeah. But now that, you know, I don't know if that was ever even going to happen, but um, I was always kind of curious about that idea. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in that as well. I am. Um... The one thing I'd like in terms of handling it, you know, the the opening, um, the opening uh, third, I guess, of Black Panther is sort of the the funeral of Black Panther's mm-hmm. father and the ascendancy of T'Challa into the role of king. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as for the how of it, I, I don't know how they should handle that. And honestly, yeah. I'm not entirely tr- sure they should give us a reason why he died. Right. Just, yeah. just acknowledge that he is. Um, and yeah. they could start by cor- coordinating, uh, crowning the, mm. the <laughs> next uh, Panther. Um, I would enjoy it being Shuri. Um, I, I, it, it probably wouldn't work from a narrative standpoint. Um, and their characters and personalities, but deep down, I'd, I'd really like it to be a Koye, but I, I don't think that I'm, I, I see her more as like a Morpheus to Shuri's Neo kind of thing. Like she's going <laughs> to mm-hmm. be like kind of yeah. show, showing her how not to be such of a obnoxious teenager and, and actually yeah. be like, you know, uh, an actual Royal. Um, but what I would really like to see, and Disney has enough money and they have enough magic and they've made Robert Downey Jr. look 19 years old again, so maybe they can do it. Is that let's just say Shuri? They pick Shuri for it, and she has to go into the dirt, which is what everyone does. And she goes into the ancestral plane, and he's there. Um, he's there yeah. with his father. And what I'd really like is to see Michael B. Jordan and Sterling K. Brown there too, like after the first film ended, like T'Challa had, had righted the wrongs of his ancestors because Mm -hmm. when Killmonger became King 
in the first film, he ends up going to the projects, you know, the ancestral projects, basically, to find his father. And they talk about how they're lost. But maybe Wakanda is really the ones who are lost, you know, and all this other stuff. And and they are basically even in even in the afterlife are exiled from their ancestors. Yeah. Um, so I would love to have seen retroactively like T'Challa's life and his reign, however long they want to say it has taken place, yeah. um, has righted that wrong. And they're all, you know, sort of in unity at the afterlife. And you could have that way you could because you because I don't know if you could if they would have any like audio to have Chadwick Boseman speak from beyond the grave. But he could be there and maybe Jordan could speak instead, you know, or mm-hmm. it's, you know, if they could bring him in. But um, if they can find a way to have him show up in the ancestral plane, that would that uh, it wouldn't undo all the hurt and sadness from all this. But I think that would yeah. be probably, probably if you're going to make this movie, that probably might be the best an element, at least of the best way to put a bow on that. Um, I, I think they, I would honestly be surprised if they don't, I think, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to have a, a problem with that. Like, I think the only thing that I can't imagine them doing is recasting it because oh, I think, no. Yeah. You know, that's that's the one thing that would be off the table. You yeah. know, one one thing I actually did think of that I almost forgot to mention is I guess my preferred way for how they would handle this in some form. I don't have this all point by point written out, but um basically if they would just kind of have his passing in the movie sort of um mirror real life in that basically saying that he had hurting the whole time yeah had been sick the whole time and he didn't want to to know um because i would not be ready for that (laughs) yeah that might be i don't know which which means it might be good yeah yeah potentially or or too much i don't know but i think like that would be because i I think that would be a great tribute to to him because you know like when i saw uh, a friend of mine texted me um, you know, the AP story, or I think he uh, texted me the tweet of the AP story and it didn't have his photo with it. It didn't have Chadwick's photo with it. And my, it's like my brain just wasn't processing it, but it's kind of like, um, like you see something and you know what it is, but, but somehow it doesn't fit the circumstances and, and, and you just can't like accept it. The weird analogy I make, um, would be like, uh, one time I was, uh, at at someone's house, it was in a subdivision, and I saw this like what, what I was thinking was like a giant dog sitting on the sidewalk, and it was a bear. And I'm um, I'm like, like that's a weird looking dog, but it's so you know it was so out of place. My brain wasn't registering it, and so <laughs> that's the weird analogy I would make for this because I'm like I knew as soon as I saw Chadwick Boseman who that was, but my brain's like, no, he didn't die. I would have heard if he had been sick with right. cancer for four years because, I mean, it's so rare for someone in today's society, whether you're a celebrity or not, to um, not for, for, for so much stuff to not be out there. And that's not, you know, a ding against um, people being open, but, you, you know, you do get just a lot of just broadcasting stuff uh, that, yeah. that even on a, just a minor level, sometimes the more minor, the stuff, the more people put it out there. And so I was just thinking with this, like there's, there's no way that 
you know, we, we could have not known about this. I must be confusing his name with someone else mm-hmm. in the movie because, you know, there's so much clickbait stuff too, where it'll say star of such and such passes away. And you're like, who is this? Oh, they were in one episode of this, you know, right. seven yeah. year show. And so that was, and, and so then I had to like go and see, you know, other tweets with his photo to be like, Oh my gosh, you know, it, it is true. Um, so I, I mean, the fact that he just carried that with him, um, you know, not telling anyone, I, I think that would be a way that I would like to see it done as sort of a tribute to how he kept fighting and doing all this um, while not, you know, not wanting people to know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be a um, classy is not the word I'm looking for, but that's kind of what I'm trying to convey, at least a, a good um good way of handling that for sure speaking uh i guess you know before we move on from black panther i want to share um michael b jordan's words as well because i found them pretty pretty effective um he had posted recently i've been trying to find the words but nothing comes close to how i feel i've been reflecting on every moment every conversation every laugh every disagreement every hug everything i wish we had more time One of the last times we spoke, you said we were forever linked, and now the truth of that means more to me than ever. Since nearly the beginning of my career, starting with all my children when I was 16, you paved the way for me. You showed me how to be better, honor purpose, and create legacy. And whether you've known it or not, I've been watching, learning, and constantly motivated by your greatness. I wish we had more time. Everything you've given in the world, the legends and heroes that you've shown us we are, will live on forever. But the thing that hurts the most is that now I now understand how much of a legend and hero you are. Through, through it all, you never lost sight of what you loved most. You cared about your family, your friends, your craft, your spirit. You cared about the kids, the community, our culture, and humanity. You cared about me. You're my big brother, and I never fully got a chance to tell you or truly give you your flowers while you were here. I wish, you was, I wish we had more time. I'm more aware now than ever that time is short with people we love and admire. I'm going to miss your honesty, your generosity, your sense of humor, and incredible gifts. I'll miss the gift of sharing space with you in scenes. I'm dedicating the rest of my days to live the way you did, with grace, courage, and no regrets. Is this your king? Yes, he is. Rest in power, brother. And um, that that movie's just full of great quotes. <laughs> It is. I, um, I went back and saw it when it aired on ABC last yeah. weekend, I think mm-hmm. it was. Um, and I had, I think that was the first time that I'd seen it since, you know, I saw it um, or seen the whole thing since it came out in theaters. And I forgot, I had forgotten how many good quotes were in there. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, well, um, you know, I, I knew when we were going to do this episode that it would have been very easy to make the entire episode about black Panther. And and I could certainly do more than hold my own to make it. So, uh, maybe one day down the road, um, we'll, we'll do that. Um, but we want to talk about some of the other great things, uh, and great roles that Chadwick Boseman brought, um, to the table. Um, one of the other recent ones, actually, I guess it was his first, his first film after playing Black Panther after Endgame um, was a 
just a, a police drama that was, I think, produced by the Russo brothers. Derek yeah. and I were talking about how that was advertised in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, uh, called called Twenty One Bridges. So, um, Tim, you you didn't get to you have got to see this no. one. Yet? Okay. Well, don't. I'll 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 let you borrow it sometime. It's it's <laughs> worth seeing. I'll say. Um, but it's good. Yeah. So uh, Twenty One Bridges. Um, it's it's very it's funny. It's such a departure from t'challa i mean it's not a huge departure there's a there's a there's a couple other films on this list that are wider departures from t'challa mm-hmm. but because he's still a protagonist a good guy in this film um mm-hmm. but it's an interesting I, I i try to think of this role in light of some of the real intentional decisions that uh bozeman must have been making in the in the um uh career you know the career choices and and what kind of reputation and example he was trying to set and what's interesting tim i'll tell you a little bit about this film is that like he is a cop who they establish pretty early on they don't show you they just hear you just hear it in in uh different conversations leading up to the sort of unraveling of the actual plot of the film is that he's a cop who's notorious for being involved with shootings um of his suspects um and even in the one of the early scenes of the film is him being interviewed by internal affairs and um he swears up and down throughout the film that all of his shootings were good uh not good but whatever the word is like they were legit like he did wasn't you, did you ever see the the series justified no i have i have not uh okay, I'm, I'm aware of it but it, it reminds me a little bit of um timothy oliphant's character in Injustified, where it kind of starts under similar circumstances so mm-hmm. anyway that's that's just sort of an <laughs> aside okay. but but yeah but i but as soon as you were searching for that word i'm like justified and then like oh yeah justified. <laughs> yes justified shootings yes there yeah. it is um well he's brought into this um and he is the son of a murdered police officer um who grows up to become a detective and um He's brought on this crime scene where there's multiple, like six or seven, murdered police officers, and so he is um, he is on the run he he is on the hunt for these um, escaped uh, killers, and um, like like any typical police drama, um, which there are some formulaic things about this film for sure, but there is more to it than what it seems, um, and you find out that he is kind of he was kind of cherry picked for that role because people the people sort of pulling strings in this plot kind of played their hand at what kind of cop they thought he was um which is to say they thought he was you know kind of a dirty cop who would just shoot questions shoot first and ask questions later but you find out that that's not really the kind of cop he is and they don't really revisit his previous shootings but it really does make you go back and think like maybe he was telling the truth that all of his his like he said he'd shot like what like nine people in 11 years or something like that right um and maybe maybe they really all were justified by the way his decisions play out in the film and you see him um, sort of deduce um, crime scenes and stuff. One of the interesting things of that film, speaking of other black actors who have made really positive career choices and stuff, uh, Stephen James plays one of the shooters who is on the run. Um, Stephen James um, 
from If Beale Street Could Talk, and uh, he also played uh, Jesse Owens, uh, the Olympic sprinter in the film Race um, that was about mm. him, which is also really good. Um, so I was surprised to see to see him uh, pop up in this film uh, as well. But um, I think J.K. Simmons is in it, too. J.K. Simmons is in it, and um, I cannot ever remember the actor's name, but he's Tim Riggins from... Um, the Friday oh, Night that's right. What is he was, right? In, he was in John Carter. He's in everything where he's pretty good, but no Taylor one likes Kitch. his movies. Taylor, yeah, yeah, that's his, that's him. And, and yeah. he and he's good. He's a good actor, but it's just like he's in every movie that no one really cares about. So. <laughs> oh man, I did not even recognize him. Yeah. Wow, oh, that's so funny because because what's funny is. Um, he uh billy riggins was in this movie too his brother from oh, friday because I, I, rec- oh, okay. I, I recognized him i don't Wait. remember him hold on no what no 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 <laughs> pause everybody um billy riggins or tim R- the the older brother mm-hmm. he was in 42 the jackie robinson oh movie. interesting sorry okay. i've watched all these in the past like two days you know so, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's funny. He has a run in with the Riggins and, and two. Different um, but yeah, so it's 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 a fun, you know, cop mystery mm-hmm. uh, series. It's it's called 21 Bridges because he he um, the, the murders happen in the middle of the night. And he basically is given like four hours to solve it um, before the city gets up and goes to work in the morning. So he shuts down much like Bane, you know, from last <laughs> week, just shuts down every bridge uh, to Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, Hence the 21 bridges. But, uh, and, and one thing that's entertaining, um, I don't know if this was on purpose or if I'm just, um, profiling Chadwick Boseman or something, but his, his detective voice, um, sounds a lot like he's channeling Denzel Washington, Mm -hmm. um, which is not distracting from the film, but you hear it come out every once in a while with some of his accent pronunciations. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you you doing Denzel Chadwick? You doing Denzel? I, I that that's the way it came across to me too. That that ran through my mind before we ever talked about it. So I mean, could could be worse. Is he could be doing Sam Jackson or somebody else more offensive? I mean, there's there's a plenty worse you can do than impersonating Denzel. But um, yeah. So Twenty One Bridges, uh, that is still kind of fresh out on Blu-ray and stuff. So I think you can probably rent it. Or, although with you know everything that's been going on with with this i would not be surprised to see a streaming service pick it up really soon um because a lot of his movies are probably going to become available uh i would imagine yeah Uh, well like i said i i was looking for it on youtube and it is on youtube uh (laughs) that that you can purchase it for but then like someone limited time within within the yeah for a limited (laughs) time only someone just uploaded it i'm like no surely that's not the full movie they would have taken that down like nope it's just up there so i I watched it before 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 it it gets back into the vault of legality right um yeah so uh well speaking of 42 um I don't know if it, we we have not, you know, dear listeners have not really compared notes very much to see of which of Chadwick Boseman's films other than Black Panther all of us have seen. Um, but have any of you guys seen 42, the Jackie Robinson story? Did it get okay. I, I have not. I've got a, a couple of little oddball connections to it. But um, yeah. so I, those I can just get out of the way and let you, you talk about the movie. But so... Um, 
so it's of course yeah based on the the jackie robinson story um i had an uncle who um he's not my by wasn't my by blood uncle it's my aunt's husband who passed away last year um but he passed away at, at 90 and he was actually good enough to get a spring training invite to um the brooklyn dodgers and it was at the time then um when uh Jackie Robinson was there. So not specifically to Chadwick, but that's to, you know, to 42. But then also um, the town where I live, uh, Young Harris, Georgia, and where um, I went to my first year of college uh, was, if I remember correctly, uh, used the Young Harris College baseball field was used for at least some of 42 Oh, cool. uh, nice. And I know, you know, people who went down to be extras, you know, in the stands and stuff like that. So um, just my two little meaningless connections to 42. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's a powerful story. Now, I will say, you know, as far as sports films go, um, I don't know. <sighs> it's still kind of fresh in my mind, so I don't know how where I would rank it on Mm. overall sports films and even overall sports films that have to do with race, I'd still probably make it like, uh, I I think, I think the actual film race with the, that we just talked about the Jesse Owens film. I think that was better. Um, is, is mainstream. I hate to sound like such a hipster or something, but as mainstream as remember the Titans is, I think that might be one of the best balanced race based sports movies in terms of sports narrative and actual subject matter at the same time mm-hmm. um this this film it didn't it didn't have as much sports in it as i thought it would um and maybe that's mm-hmm. just because it's a baseball movie mm-hmm. um which just not as much action um but uh bozeman is great in it and he is certainly the glue that holds it all together harrison ford is in it too he's um the owner of the brooklyn dodgers um and he he does a great job as well um what I find fascinating about this film, and you can see this sort of story play out in Stephen James's race as well, is the idea of a minority athlete becoming a public figure and a icon for a movement when they weren't asking to be made one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, I applaud the film for for taking a look at that side of things instead of just championing what Jackie Robinson did for baseball. And, and um, yeah, that's a, that's a brave thing to do because that's, I mean, it humanizes Jackie for one thing, I think. Um, and he, um, you know, at the end of the day that endears him, I think to a couple of the guys on his team is just like, I just, I just want to play, you know, Mm -hmm. I came here to play. I want to play. I want to win, you know, all this other stuff. And, and, um, and it's weird. Harrison Ford's character as the owner of the team, is actually really good, but he's a strange character. Like he's really wholesome. And the fact that he's very, I guess that guy was a believer because he, he, he likens a lot of things to scripture and tries to motivate people in certain ways like that. And his worldview seems kind of dictated by that. But at the same time, it's, he doesn't see, it doesn't seem like he's totally motivated to bring Jackie to the major leagues for the sake of breaking racial barriers. It's, it's, it's almost just like, Hey, 
and they're like, you're going to just take some white guy's place on the team. He's like, listen, I can give him a tryout. If he's good enough, he'll make the team. If not, then he won't, you know, being very even handed about it. And at the same time, he also recognizes that the controversy of it will be good for business. Um, Mm. And in that, and so he openly kind of says that too. Um, But he does have an interesting conversation with Jackie in the film where they're talking about where he is kind of prodding at Robinson on purpose to sort of test him for what he's going to have to deal with being the only guy out there um, Mm -hmm. of his race. And I can't remember the setup for this quote, but um, he said, uh, you think, do you, he basically, he said something to him and he yells at him. He says, what, you don't think I'm strong enough to fight back? And he goes, no, I want to make sure that you're strong enough to not fight back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we need you. And, um, telling that story, um, to my wife today after, um, I watched it, she pointed out something interesting, which I think, you know, when you're trying to break down barriers in the world, um, she had mentioned that there were a lot of, there, there's a lot of talk that there were other players who were actually better players than Jackie and the Negro leagues that were probably more deserving of that sport. But he may have been chosen because he was probably more acceptable to white audiences for not wanting to stir up trouble and and things like that. And that creates an interesting conversation of Mm. when you're just trying to get in the door, Mm -hmm. you know, does that change your approach just to make sure you open the door? Because, you know, if anything, you can look at many other things in our culture, once the majority audience of something becomes acceptable of the thing, right. Then, then the floodgate is open. Like you can't go, you can't go back. Right. So like, is the first guy you send in there, someone who's kind of, you know, corporate friendly, so to speak. Um, and you know, they painted Jackie like he wasn't in on that, which, which I, I would believe, like, I mean, I see that, I I could very easily see him as a man who was just taking advantage of his opportunity, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that's offered to him, of course. Um, But that's an interesting thought process to go through. And Bozeman carries the, um, he carries the gravity of that entire time really, really, really well. Um, It's, uh, it is, uh, it's very, yeah. Um, there, there are moments where he reaches his breaking point and, um, he has a sort of private moment where he just, he did, he does, he reaches his breaking point, but it's in private and it's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. He does it really well. And, um, there are some, there's also some really interesting scenes. There's this one really cool scene where, um, the player who uh, Pee Wee Reese, I think was his name. He was the shortstop for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And Jackie came to the team as a shortstop from his old team. And they made him play another position because Pee Wee Reese was one of their star players and stuff. And um, they have this sort of moment on the field before the game starts. And whenever he shows up, he's like, you know, he's like a more wholesome Dennis Rodman from the nineties. Like he's just a lightning rod for attention being mm. out there so like half the crowd is cheering for him the other half is you know yelling curses at him um and uh 
We've, we've we've moved so far beyond that now. I know it's great, right? <laughs> I know it's so great that now people can understand racial <laughs> issues in sports and not at all be offended by it. Right, um, right, not uh, so, in, and 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 for sure not in some near fifty fifty split. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I know it's great. You know, it's 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 amazing that nobody was you know nobody's boycotting games or <laughs> crying on Twitter about it or you know whatever. Um, it's just, it's, uh, that's so sad, but true. Um, anyway, but yes, yeah, so it is a, a powerful scene there. So, I mean, I think it's certainly worth checking out. Um, I, I am embarrassed to admit that this is actually a film I owned for quite a while and just never got around to watching. Um, I think I got it as like, um, a promotion kind of like sometimes when you sign up for a digital service or things and they have like a free download or something. It was one that I had that I never got to, but sadly, uh, this was a, a good appropriate occasion to to view it. So it's worth it's worth uh, checking out. And and I remember a couple of the Marvel. I can't remember if it was Feige or who it was that said that uh, Chadwick was the only person that they considered for Black Panther, and that they did it based off of of forty two off of wow. forty two. Yeah. Huh. Um, I think I saw that, so I'd have to go back and try to find it somewhere, but it was, I think during, I don't know if it was during some of the tribute stuff or it could have been stuff that was recorded earlier and then just played. But yeah, I remember them, them saying that. I can see that. That is probably out of all the films we're looking at. He was probably the most liked T'Challa in that, in that movie in terms Mm -hmm. of personality. Mm. Um, as far as that goes, um, so next on the list is are there are there any ones you guys want to bring up before I just keep going, um, so I don't just bring up a movie that I was the only <laughs> one who watched it or something. <laughs> the only the only I saw um, I, I did try to go back and refresh and watch a few scenes from Draft Day, um, but that's oh the, yeah that's the only I, other one that I have seen I think. I will admit I have gotten that, but I have not I have not watched that. Same one. here. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one of my friends, one of my old radio friends from college, Jeff, um, he recommended that to me right away as soon as I posted about it. Um, so that's on my watch list for sure. Probably um, the so, biggest, the biggest departure from, you know, anything that we've seen because I mean, he plays a high school athlete, um, you know, who's trying to get drafted. He's going to be a top draft pick, very brash, Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, you know, a huge departure from 42, from 21 Bridges, Black Panther, all that. And, and maybe he has a role out there that's an even bigger departure, but, um, well, that's the one that's, you know, speaking of, of big departures, he did play James Brown. Uh, um, that's right. That's right. And, uh, get on up. So which get on up is currently on, on HBO max right mm-hmm. now. Um, for anybody who has access to that and, um, you know, by music, musical biopics are an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, I have not actually seen any of the more modern ones, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody and rocket man come to mind. Some of the modern ones, but about 15 years ago, there was a previous trend of them and you had like Ray, um, Jamie Foxx's Ray Charles film. Then you had walk the line, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, the Johnny Cash film. And so um, this really, this is not like either one of those uh, to me. Although I'll say this, 
Um, so, you know, James Brown, born in Augusta, Georgia, apparently moved to Tacoa as, oh, yeah. as a child. I uh, knew um, one of his grand, I was in band with one of his grandsons. Yeah. Was, wow. was he, a, was he a horn player? Yes. Trump and was <laughs> one of the best. He was fantastic. He was amazing. I, I believe it. So, uh, <laughs> fun story. I moved to Georgia when I was six years old and my dad was a pastor of this big rural, big, I mean, probably medium sized, I guess, a uh, rural church. Uh, just outside of Augusta, and James Brown's attorney was one of our church members, wow. uh, and that was in the late '80s when he was using his services quite a bit. So, um, uh, yeah, Mr. Buddy Dallas. Uh, I think he. <laughs> anyway, but um, anyway, yeah, so I went to, I, I was I was in school with like his daughter and stuff. But um, anyway, uh, transformative I think is is a good word for Bozeman in this film because he his his James Brown voice definitely rivals Joaquin Phoenix's Johnny Cash and, and mm. Jamie Foxx's Ray Charles. Yeah. Like the movie itself um has some hit or miss moments to it, but sure. but you're gonna get that with James Brown because he was uh he was an interesting fellow. Um but yeah. one thing that I really enjoyed about the movie is that, uh, and which is why I brought up Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man and not seeing those. I don't know if they do this too, but just occasionally he'll break the fourth wall for no reason and just mm-hmm. talk to the, talk to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like his life, um, like, like most musicians in their biopics his his life falls apart, um, towards the end. And, he has this moment where, it, and the movie actually begins with this scene, and then it re, it, it circles back around to it like it's a Christopher Nolan movie or something. <laughs> and he he walks into this business that he owns, but they're having some kind of like new hire orientation meeting or something. And he walks in, and he's discovered that someone has used his private bathroom, and he's really upset about it. But he's walking around like it's no big deal, but you know that he's mad. And so he goes into his truck and comes back in with a shotgun and he's not really even like pointing it at anybody, but everybody's just losing their mind. He's like, everybody just sit down, sit down. You know, I can't, I can't even do the voice. I don't know why I'm trying, but, um, eventually the scene is over and you see that like, he clearly did not handle it well, of course. Mm -hmm. And they cut back to him like smoking something um, I don't know enough about drugs visually to know what it was he was smoking, but it was a combination of things. Um, back at his house, and the camera zooms in on his face, and he just says, "Do as I say, not as I do." <laughs> like, like he's even interesting. Even just aware of his uh, poor moral choices and stuff throughout the film, but um, yeah. But there is some interesting things about like you know, his ambition, his drive. And even when you think he would be threatened by other people, if he recognizes that's what's going on mm-hmm. in their character, how he kind of respects it in a way. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, just the performance alone. Oh it, yeah. It can, you know, carries the shortcomings of, yeah. of that film. Bozeman. I feel like he, yeah, he, man, just his presence was, really what made the film because they, the, the, the movie decided to do something that I, maybe it was like, maybe it really works for some people, but the way it jumps around in time kind of almost randomly and haphazardly where you, you don't have enough time to kind of invest in whatever's going on. 
it kind of threw me yeah. off. But uh, but I did. But Bozeman's character. I mean, he he was spot on. I mean, it was it was a it was a really really just accurate, just really great performance. Yeah, I should mention too. It's a really strong cast too. Viola yeah, Davis yeah. and mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer are, are in it, and uh, they do they do good as well. Um, and the, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd was, <laughs> was in it too, and he was played yeah. his manager, and he was actually really good mm-hmm. uh, in it as well. Um, uh, he played a, a Jewish man, and and so they had a lot of they had a lot of common grounds, both being minorities hated by Anglo white people. Um, and so they, they t- would talk about that frequently in the film. So get on up uh, HBO Max yeah. uh, if you guys want shit in that. Um, I will say real quick, I just watched Marshall today, oh, cool. uh, which is a biopic on Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American Supreme Court justice. And uh, he was a civil rights lawyer. Um, actually, was was uh, I'm ashamed to admit that I didn't know this, but you know, blame the American school system for shortchanging us on black <laughs> history. Like they always do. <laughs> was the attorney, was the attorney in Brown versus board of education, mm. um, which I, I didn't know. Um, but anyway, it's, it's sort of a snippet of his life. It's about one particular court case that he helped in him and Josh Gad, um, our, um, co-stars in that film where he goes to Connecticut to uh, represent Sterling Sterling K. Brown, actually, who was a, accused of uh, raping a white woman. And um, he's not allowed to speak, though, in the courtroom mm-hmm. um, because, because racism. Um, and so he uh, has to, like, train Josh Gad to sort of be the lead counsel um, and everything. But it's a really uh, – it's a, it's a great uh, courtroom drama and exploration of racial issues and and that in the 40s 50s uh i think late 40s because i want to say world i can't remember where world war ii was in relation to that but it was around that time um but but really good uh, as well and he does a great uh again just a good positive um casting choice on his behalf as well again setting a good example and and bringing that story to life too you know um as well so um if i could get into one more thing that's a little probably the most obscure one on my list um that is also probably the grittiest one that i've that he's got that i've seen there is a netflix original um called message from the king um which if you could just um, it if, if I could really overgeneralize it, just so our audience understands what I'm getting into here, just imagine if Black Panther supp- uh, supplanted Liam Neeson and Taken. Um, and that's, that's kind of what you've got going on there, because he is this uh, South African man who shows up in L.A. Um, and the opening scene is him like in the airport. They're like, how long are you staying? He's like, I'm only going to be here seven days. And they're like, you don't even have any money. He's like, don't worry. I'm going to be here and I'm leaving. I'm going to go visit my sister. Anyway, finds out that his sister is missing. Um, and spoiler alert, you find out she's actually dead, but you find that out pretty soon into the movie. So the rest of the movie is just a story of vengeance. So it's a little, um, it's a little jarring, uh, from black Panther in the sense that, you know, T'Challa would have never been really someone so focused on vengeance as much, or at least he was in Civil War, but turned from that. Um, but this is this is some Liam Neeson stuff right here, you know. Um, 
it's a uh, I think it's TBMA. Yeah. Um, I so saw where he it's just a little to interject one little point. He I saw where he said, I think it was this movie. I'm 99 percent sure it was this movie that he used this movie to sort of like practice and hone his um, accent for Black Panther. Like this was like sense. this was like the test run for that. That makes a lot of sense because Kosa is a South African yeah. dialect. And so him doing that, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can uh-huh. see that play out for sure. But uh, it's interesting. Lucas Black is in this one. Um, mm. He played Gaston in the Beauty and the Beast remake. He was also in one of the Fast and Furious movies. He's been in some other stuff too, I'm sure. Um, I think he was NCIS, uh, NCIS New Orleans, I think. Oh, okay. All right. And then uh, I want to say there's somebody else in it, too, that is recognizable, but I can't quite place out. Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina's in it, too. Mm. Um, So um, that film is a lot darker. Um, Not as... It is cathartic, but I would say it's not as hopeful, you know, as uh, some of his other roles. But it's still it's pretty entertaining. Um, and he's just uh, it's it's funny because like he goes uh, just to tell a little bit about it. There's one scene where he's chasing down a lead and um, he goes to this like car wash, which is clearly like a front for a gang or the mob or something. And he goes and he asks for this person whose name he has learned is involved. And they're like, oh, that there's nobody here by that name. And he just stands around and stares them all down for a minute. Asks again. They totally deny knowing anybody. He walks away. Apparently he goes to a pawn shop or something like that and buys like a bike or something like that. All you, but you just all you see is him walking out of the pawn shop with just the bike chain. And he just snaps it in half. And I haven't seen since like Jackie Chan or Steven Seagal, like somebody do more damage with a household item. Um, maybe Jason Bourne, you know, mm-hmm. but like he just, he just walks back up and then just starts, Oh man, it's, it's a little unsettling, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, it's that dark part of every, every guy's heart that mm-hmm. is a little satisfied with right. seeing people <laughs> be punished. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing we wrestle with, you know, and uh, so it's it, it is definitely a departure, and I think that sort of Black Panther taken thing, because because the because the accent is there, uh, so in his more tender mm-hmm. moments, it does kind of sound like T'Challa. Yeah, talking. right. Uh, right it's thoughts. it's weird. It's a weird feeling, but it's but it's interesting. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So that I think is for me. Those were all of the Bozeman movies I've mm-hmm. seen in in recent memory um, that that came up for me. Um, I know, and I don't know if you, either of you guys got to see it. Speaking of Netflix, there was that Spike Lee movie called The Five, mm-hmm. Def, excuse me, The Five Bloods, if I'm being yeah, right. accurate here, which look, which was, I just didn't have time to, to watch, but it looks, it looks tremendous. Um, did, mm-hmm. Tim, did you get to see that? I was able to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic movie. I will say the, not, I won't, it's not necessarily a downside, but Bozeman is in very, he is a very uh, infrequent. So, and this isn't really giving it away because this is kind of the, the beginning of, but um, four Vietnam veterans, four African American Vietnam veterans travel back to Vietnam um, to, to unearth this treasure that they had found, or basically just gold that they had found, but also um, a fellow uh, soldier that was with them who died, they buried him with the gold they want to get him and bring him home. And 
Um, that's present day, but then they also cut to flashbacks, and Chadwick Boseman is that person who who was killed, um, killed mm. in combat. And um, but in the brief times that you do see him, I mean, he is he's kind of the the character like this um, this uh, this big presence. I mean, he even in in the film he plays this character who they call his their Malcolm and Martin that. He was just the one guy that would like inspire them and really encourage them to keep going and was just this really um, intense presence. Um, in fact, in some of the people, some of the um, veterans, their PTSD is just seeing him every night when they sleep, like in their dreams. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. And so he is, a, he, even though he is not in much of the film, he's a significant presence in the film. And even when he is there on screen, I mean, he is a, it's, it's, it's very gripping and it's a really, really great performance. Not not a not a lot of the film, but um, but he is he is amazing. He's fantastic, it, and it's a great movie too. Just uh, it's there's a lot to get into, but it, it's a fantastic film. So I would I would definitely recommend it. Well, I'll have to get around to that one uh, as well. well. And there's and there's obviously good but bittersweet news. Uh, Chadwick Boseman actually completed one more film um, that is yet to be released. Um, it's titled Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, it is set to be distributed by Netflix. Um, not quite sure when, um, but they, they wrapped on filming in August of 2019, so they may just be sitting on it um, to release it. But um, Tim, you'll be interested, I think, because we may have talked about this before, but it's actually an adaptation of a play by August Wilson. Um, who um, he did the uh, Best Picture nominated film uh, Fences, uh, okay. the oh, Denzel okay. Viola Davis. So he wrote that. He wrote that play. That was the the play. I mean, he he wrote that. Um, and so this is another play he's written um, that's being adapted into a film. And uh, Viola Davis is also in this one as well. And is basically um, a, a play that takes place in a recording studio in 1920s Chicago. Um, with a blues singer and he is the co-lead with, uh, Viola Davis. So, um, anyway, that's, uh, so it's, it seems, certainly seems promising. I mean, I've seen, I have seen Fences, which was another adaptation of a play, which was tremendous. And, um, usually if it's good enough to be a stage play, then it's Mm well-written. Um, and Viola Davis, of course, is amazing in everything she does. So, um, I'd be interested to see that when that, when that comes out. But, uh, yeah, so listen, uh, there's no shortage. I mean, there, there, there's not, uh, an endless supply of Chadwick Boseman films, but I, I can certainly say, um, his contributions to film and to culture and stuff are immeasurable and, um, there's plenty of places to look. Um, and, and I will say it feels like I'm just leaning on my own genre bias a little bit, but I will say you probably, if, if you are uh, like any other normal person and just don't have time to watch eight movies in the course of a few days, <laughs> um, you guys, you know, chime in with your thoughts. Uh, but I, I'll say that if you had to pick one, I'd, I'd probably go with Black Panther. Um, for, for my part, you get the most of him and probably the best of him too. Like, I yeah. just feel like right. what, what he was trying to put out into the world the overarching story that they were trying to tell um 
and also a sense of just who he was as a person being always supportive of everybody else and he kind of you know he shares the shares the glory of that movie with multiple characters but but whenever he's on mm-hmm. screen too it's really he he holds his own and he's really strong there too um so that that i i imagine we're probably unanimous with that unless uh anybody else would so. have another suggestion yeah cool no, i i agree and and actually yeah. There is one other time he's going to appear not as Black Panther, but as T'Challa, um, because he he recorded an episode of Marvel's um, upcoming Disney Plus animated series, What If? Oh, and, that's right. And 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 it's the, the what if is basically like what if he had become been taken and become Star Lord instead of. Star Lord, whatever whatever Star Lord's real name is, yeah. Peter Quill. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So, so that that's is... gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that. That is that, a... that could be that could be very because that's definitely I think that's gonna show something that we haven't if if they keep Star Lord in sort of that character, you know, yeah. I mean that's gonna be sort of an opportunity for him to you know show so, comedic range. So, th- but this is but this is T'Challa in space. This isn't Star Lord in Wakanda, right? That's my. It's a the the. Um, I'd have to look at it, but yeah, it's T'Challa becomes Guardian of the Galaxy's Star Lord. So I assume oh, it's boy. T'Challa in space. Yes. Well, I'm going to tell T'Challa. you right now, the soundtrack <laughs> is going to be much more. Yeah. <laughs> much, much cooler, I think. Um, yeah. It's definitely going to. It's going to be bumping a lot more. I think, uh, you know, Kendrick Lamar in space is going to be <laughs> really entertaining. That's awesome. um, yeah. Oh, man. Well, that puts a smile on my face. I'm glad to know that that's coming down the pike. That was about to say, if I didn't know that, that was probably going to hit me really hard like the first time, like when I saw uh, Stan Lee's cameo and in Into the Spider-Verse. Like that was oh. – um, that I, did, I didn't see that movie until after he had died. And so I thought mm. – all his cameos were done. And then like that scene, I'm just like, <gasps> you know, um, mm-hmm. really, really hit me. So no, that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that that's coming. Um, well guys, any, any, uh, remaining, uh, things you guys want to talk about, uh, Chadwick Boseman or lasting memories or mm-hmm. anything else? I mean, it's just really, it was one of those deaths that, kind of stopped whatever was happening for the rest of the night, you know, yeah. trying to figure out if it was real, trying to, you know, like, is this reality? Kind of what Jared was talking about, like, that can't be true. You know, um, it -hmm. was just a, it was a definitely a jolt. And then to learn everything else after that, the fact, you know, what he was dealing with, how he was keeping it hidden. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, all of it, all of it was just really, it was, yeah, it was, it was very sad. Also, uh, Black. I was just going to say, Black Panther, first Marvel film to be nominated for Best Picture. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I man, I was like just sick to my stomach hearing that. Yeah. Just just because of, you know, the age and everything we yeah. talked about with with what he what he meant to so many people. Um, you know, on one hand, like I'm. I hate in a way that, I mean, it's great that he was able to do what he obviously wanted to do and and not make that Mm -hmm. public. I kind of hate in a way 
that he didn't at least towards the end so that he could hear even more of mm. what he meant to people and what some yeah. of those characters meant to people. Um, I know he got a lot of that, you know, I think at the, around the time of black Panther. Um, but I kind of hate that, you know, people, especially the people closer to him, a lot of those actors and stuff like that mm-hmm. didn't have the opportunity, you know, to, to really tell him, um, before he passed away, uh, because, you know, that is always the, the thing that we hear around funerals or when people pass away is that, you know, it's too bad that you go through life and then you say all these great things about people after they've mm-hmm. died, you know, um, the, I think one thing that made it, I guess the only thing that kind of made it slightly easier was that, I was glad that at least it wasn't like some freak accident or something like Paul Walker style, like where as horrible as this is, you know, I mean, obviously I don't know. I I think it was in stage three by the time he caught it. So I don't know what would have happened if it had been caught earlier, but at least he, you know, he had a chance, um, you know, to get treatment and deal with it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't something like where I think, the worst ones are me like something like Paul Walker, where if he just hadn't gotten in that car, you know, if this one inconsequential, right. If this one little Mm, seemingly inconsequential decision hadn't been made, would it, you know, have, have Mm. completely um, changed things. So obviously that doesn't really make it um, easier, but uh, you know, it's just, it's a different kind of, um, you know, different kind of loss there. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it, it certainly, it certainly hurts to think about. And, um, and you know, not like they need my sympathy in any way, but I, that just hurt for the black community. I sit here, think about everything that, that they are collectively dealing with right now, uh, right now for hundreds of years, but <laughs> you know, it's brought up to the forefront again right now. And this is like, um, I hope this doesn't sound insensitive because I understand on the one hand that Chadwick Boseman was an actor in Hollywood, but he really was more than that to people, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, Jared was talking about how some people maybe wish they could say to him what they meant, what he meant to them. Um, and this is really just a sliver of it, but you can Google or YouTube. Um, Jimmy Fallon Mm, did a bit like a hidden camera trick where he brought fans of black Panther to this cardboard cutout of the movie to, to tell black Panther everything that he meant to them, or we know how much they have the movie. And he was actually like hiding behind the set and he would come (laughs) out and, and speak to them. And like people were, would start openly weeping and stuff. Mm. Um, and and things like that. So you got like a taste of that there, but clearly it meant more than that. So it just makes me wonder like during the sixties and stuff, when, when all this hatred and violence and stuff was happening in the streets and then someone like Dr. King or Malcolm X gets killed mm-hmm. and how much more does that pile on now? I mean, he wasn't technically a civil rights leader by, by occupation mm-hmm. or anything, but clearly he was doing work to to bring truth to light about the beauty of the black community and mm. and the positive 
the positive re- not only positive reinforcement within the black community to build it up, but also to shine a light on it for the rest of the stupid world to see like how beautiful it really is. And like, what is the point in hating this? And so like, you know, I know, I know white people who saw black Panther and they weren't just like, Oh yeah. You know, now let's all say Wakanda forever. And now we're over it. Cause the next Marvel movie has come out. Like, I know that still sticks with, a, with a lot of people like that yeah. did more than just be a good movie, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, it did. I'm sure it did most, of course, for black communities and stuff. But um, boy, I just hate that. Like when all these terrible things happen, these people lose their lives. Um, that that the truth is being displayed on video cameras and and cell phones and stuff now. And there's still people, you know, for lack of a better term, gaslighting it, just being like, no, nah, that's not really what's happening. Mm-hmm. We have our very government officials saying. I know that black people get treated worse by the, by the police and white people, but I wouldn't call that racism. Um, literally Uh, read that today. Um, uh, you know, um, when you see that happen and then you have a, 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 and you know, you, you really, it's irresponsible to try to platform or pedestal any, any other human being because everybody is fallible. Everybody's imperfect, but, but boy, if he really didn't, almost always put his best foot forward on something to mm-hmm. try to try to build something that makes them better. And the fact that, you know, it just makes you angry. Like that's who gets taken, you know, those right. um, and I'm not, I'm not going to take an opportunity to say, well, why wasn't it somebody else or something like that? But it's just like it, the fact that it was him, is just like, ah, oh, I can only imagine how much that hurts someone who all of this means so much more to than it does me. And mm-hmm. I know how much it means to me. And right. so, um, uh, it's just it's just hard check on your friends if you're if you're listening and if you're and if you're my friend and no one's checked on you i hope you're okay um yeah. let me know how i can be your friend um but the bittersweet thing i think is that you know people like him and by nature of his art and his work we still get to consume his legacy as mm-hmm. much as we want. Um, and so, you know, I'll still, I'll still do that. Um, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that I got to live into a time, you know, one I've heard, um, heard some other just, you know, in terms of like superhero movies and stuff. Cause like, I think we're all old enough to remember when your common superhero movie was pretty terrible. Um, and so it's just, you know, I've heard people say, man, it's just what a great time to be alive that we now get, such more quality content and representation of things. And so like, I'm just, just glad to, to be around for this, you know, um, mm-hmm. to get to witness what he put out there. And, um, and, and, and I wouldn't credit all this to him, but, but the artists like him, the people who are doing things like if you're, if you have HBO max, like seeing things like Watchmen or like Lovecraft, Lovecraft country that's on right now. Um, uh, Luke Cage uh, series on Netflix, like all these mm-hmm. really, really fascinating and strong portrayals uh, and positive portrayals of um, black figures and and um, and art and stuff. It's just, uh, it's just I, I feel privileged to get to consume it. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good stuff. So, mm-hmm. anyways, <sighs> well, um, 
this was kind of cathartic um, tonight. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that I got an excuse to watch a watch a lot of interesting and, and varied selections. By all means, guys, if you've uh, heard one, um, I'll try when I post this episode when we post this episode and I um, get to sharing it on our social media outlets, listing the films that we talked about, uh, maybe where you can find them. Uh, if it's not old news at that point and you haven't already found it for yourself by that point, um, we, we can do that. Uh, next week we'll probably have our interstellar episode up, um, as we work our way towards the end of Christopher Nolan's, um, catalog, uh, with the exception of Tenet, because uh, I'm not all that interested in going into a crowded movie, potentially crowded movie theater, um, at this point in time, and and uh, and also coming up soon, Leftovers, uh, when with Jared makes his triumphant return. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that that'll be a real upper uh, that episode. Yeah. So we'll be a lot happier, <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of happy moments in that series as well. If, 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 if the leftovers is nothing, if not light and cheery, <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly. That's a real palate cleanser for this. You know, I mean, I mean, they use at one point the intro theme song from perfect strangers. How exactly. dark can it be? You exactly. Know? So. I know. Right. And that, I mean, season two's theme song alone, it's just so upbeat and, I know before I go to bed every night, I like to consume an episode of The Leftovers. It's, it is so funny. I know we'll get to that next week, and this is off topic, but while we're on it, it is so funny to contrast the season one intro song to season two, oh, or literally well, anything else. Let me, let me tell you guys something, because I'm under the impression, preview for The, for the Leftovers episode, everybody. Maybe mm-hmm. it can lift your spirits a little bit here yeah. before you. Um, I'm under the impression that both of you guys must have watched that show live, I guess, mm-hmm. or as yeah, it was on. I did. I did. Okay, well, just imagine binging it, which is what I did. Yeah. We got through the end of season one and immediately rolled right into season two. Yeah. And I just looked at my wife. I'm like, what is happening? Did we pick a different oh, show? Gosh. Yeah. What just yeah. happened? Um, yeah. It well, was... it's, it's a different kind of agony, though. You know, it's like mm. you're going. Um, it's like with, with lost, you know, the wait week to week was like, Oh my gosh, you know, we got to wait another week to find out these, these mysteries or wait a, a whole, um, four months in between the end of the summer season and fall season. But like with the leftovers, like oh, man. week to week, you're just going like thinking back on it, going like this show is so depressing. Why am I, <laughs> why am I watching this? I mean, like, consider it's your good. life choices. It's good, but man, this is depressing. Yeah. And, and yeah. It's almost so like you needed that week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I guess I guess by the end of yeah, by the time it came around to Sunday night again, you're like, okay, well, you know, like the the depression had like worn off yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. from it, and you're like, okay, let's maybe, go again. <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't the best show to take on under quarantine circumstances when you're already mm. separated from oh, society as it is. It yeah. was yeah that. It was it, it was tough getting through the first half at least of the first season. Yeah. Um, once things then finally once things started getting weird enough, then everybody wasn't just sad all the time. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to it. It's it's weird. It's weird stuff. All right, guys. Well, um, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, feel free to follow us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on Instagram now. Night Cheese with Stephen and Tim. Uh, also on Twitter, Pod Night Cheese, and um, 
on Facebook as well, Night Cheese with Stephen and Tim. So uh, reach out to us if, uh, if you want to hear anything on future episodes. We can certainly schedule that for you. Uh, any feedback, um, give us a follow. We'll follow you back. And uh, until next time, keep working on your night cheese. has consumed you. It's consuming them. I'm done letting it consume me. Justice will come soon enough.